Hey everyone, a little word to the wise. There is a smidgen of cursing in this episode, despite my best efforts, but hey, never claimed I was a good person. Welcome to Electric Liberty Land, here on the Lions of Liberty podcast, your weekly shot of culture, comedy, and liberty with your host, Brian McWilliams. Hey everybody, welcome to Electric Liberty Land out there in Libertyville, Libertyville, Liberty Land, adjacent, separate but equal. Um, Guys, this is show 11. So you know what that means. You can go to lionsofliberty.com forward slash ELL11 for all of the show notes on the program today. Also, guys, want to remind you, check out Monday's shows with Mark Clare doing in-depth interviews, Fridays, Felony Fridays with John Odermatt. And a reminder that we've got a support program that you can now go and throw money at us, shower us in your in your pennies and nickels. Don't throw them too hard. Just drop them, drop them gently from your hand. But you can go and support the podcast at lionsofliberty.com forward slash support. And of course, check out the t-shirts we've got now at lionsofliberty.store. There you have it. So I got with me today, guys, a good buddy of mine, a fellow comedian. He's a writer. But more importantly... If you can, I mean, well, arguably, laughter is the most important thing that we've got in this <laughs> lifetime. But more importantly for our show today, also a board member at MAPS, the Multidisciplinary Association for Psychedelic Studies, my buddy Matt Neal. What's up, Matt? Welcome to the show. Yo, thanks, Brian. Wow, you have a, a very good uh, radio voice, I think. I, like podcast I voice. Yeah, man. You, you sound you sound good. It's it's. It takes a lot like of practice. You know what it is? Mostly as I um, I yell a lot out windows at people. And yeah. you really pick up a lot when you're screaming out the windows, you know, your own opinions and thoughts, curses okay. at people. Right. It translates directly to podcasting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's good. Yeah. So, I, uh, so I, enjoy yeah, okay. I enjoy it. Yeah, Go well, good. It. Well, yeah. you you and I have gone, you know, you, you've enjoyed this for years. See, Matt and I, a little back history, guys. Matt and I have co-hosted and co-founded a comedy show we do out here in Los Angeles for uh, over three years now, right? Yeah, pretty amazing. Three-year run. It's uh, quite astounding to do something like that, I think, in, in this town and have people still like it. Yeah, it's, well, they show up anyway. They, they, yeah. Whether or not they like it is still debatable. <laughs> somebody, somebody likes it. <laughs> somebody out there. <laughs> <laughs> that one guy, he comes back every month. Yeah, oh, he does. It's adorable. He's probably got nowhere else to go. Yeah. Homeless. Sad, sad. So yeah, so you know, Matt and I, you know, Matt's obviously a fellow comedian, as I said. So uh, hopefully, hopefully, he brings some funny in here to our conversations about drug use. I mean, what can you do funny with drug use <laughs> conversations, right? Nothing to oh, talk about. I, uh, yeah, this, it's, uh, it's interesting, you know, I, I, I've, uh, I've had this, this weird ride to, to here, uh, to be so lucky to be with you here today. And, uh, it's a weird ride when you think about it, when you think of like the, you know, I, I find myself in positions with the maps thing where I'm just like, wow, this is a, a crazy circumstance. You know, you start to meet people like icons of, uh, psychedelic culture and people who were around the origins of psychedelic culture and uh, artists that are involved and uh, they're all amazing people and, and name you start names to... oh Christ okay <laughs> uh, like uh, let's see Alex Gray is the one that comes to mind so the artist Alex Gray he's uh, paints these amazing images of, of uh, what you see when you're 
on psychedelics, but can't possibly d- describe to someone adequately. Right. Somehow he he brings it back and is able to paint it. And uh, did he create the magic eye? Uh, the magic eye photos. <laughs> is that is that Alan Gray <laughs> or Alex Gray? <laughs> Alex Gray, yeah, um, yeah. But I mean, mainly Rick Doblin, who who started Maps, is an amazing guy on his own. So um, to hang around with him is pretty. It's pretty interesting. He's he's uh, a very deep thinker, and he and he always seems to be on the right. Always seems to be on the right side of history, and and really thinking about things in a, in a, in a, in a unique way. And he's an icon. I mean, started a nonprofit to legalize MDMA as a medicine. Um, that's a, t- yeah, soothe, that's a tough one to DEA. sell. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Especially right? like, you know, you know, when you're just starting out before you've got a lot more, well, I'm, I'm presuming he has a good amount of research behind him too. When he first started and it wasn't just like, dude, I, I tripped balls one time and I felt great. I think the world <laughs> should feel great. But yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's interesting how it's grown and, and, in conjunction, thankfully, with the advancement of medical marijuana as a viable, you know, a viable treatment of things uh, for different things, it's very encouraging because as we just we saw if this was in January, maps put out this press release. But, um, you know, you guys just received this approval from the FDA to go into phase three trials for MDMA assisted psychotherapy for PTSD. And I mean, I, I know that's something where the impact is incredibly far ranging. And you being on the board of directors, I'm sure you had uh, a, a bit of say as far as how things went. And, and you know, like, give me a little bit of insight into what, what's what been behind this and kind of the conversations. You know, don't give anything away you can't give away. But sure, what sure. goes on in that in that border when you're talking about this type of things and the battles that you faced? Because you had yeah. mentioned to me kind of, you, you know, this – one of the ba- one of the biggest battles is perception versus reality and this propaganda war that's constantly being fought against you. So I'm cu- curious to hear a lot about that. Yeah. So, I mean, so I- I've only been around since the formation of the, the Public Benefit Corporation uh, as far as being a board member. So I'm a board member of the Public Benefit Corp. Maps.org has been around since 1986. And I mean, their biggest issue really is, and, and what what they're doing is is a beautiful thing. So Rick is, is, his mission has been to bring all this science and do it the right way, take it through the hoops of the FDA and the, the, the path that all other medicines need to go through to become something you can get prescribed. So he's doing everything above board the right way, out in the open, following the rules. Um, and that is extremely expensive to do. So um, as a as a nonprofit, their their main issue is is the funding. And now that we get to this point where we're going to do clinical trials, you know, it's going to cost, you know, uh, I bet I've seen $17 million, like in that range to, to take this through phase three, which is human, bigger human trials. Um, yeah. And it's, it's big money for, for a nonprofit. It's, it's, it's an incredible amount of money. And, and I think, you know, when you look at the results of their studies and it's all available on maps.org, there's been some awesome articles recently in the New York times and the New Yorker, um, just this past week, there was one in Rolling Stone, um, which I will link to in the show notes. Yeah. Oh, Um, definitely. Yeah. That, that Rolling Stone piece was, was really interesting. Yeah. Fantastic piece. Very well researched. Um, so I will definitely link to that. And, uh, by the way, 
Real quick question. Have you guys talked about, you know, and we're going to get into a little bit of Trump stuff a little later, depending on how much time we have, but have, has that come up as well? You talk about the expenses involved. And yeah. uh, I know this from doing my, in my PR work, working with some country companies that were consultancies to smaller pharma companies. Yeah. The, uh, the insane costs involved with dealing yeah. with the FDA. So uh, is, does maps find itself in an odd position there where on one side you've got uh, dickheads like Jeff Sessions and then on the other side, you've got Trump talking about making it easier to get drugs through and streamlining the FDA and, and you know, yeah. trying to make it more more easy for people to to access these life saving treatments. So it's yeah. A, yeah, an yeah. interesting dichotomy that goes on. Well, let me let me dissect that a little bit because it's important, I think, to keep it clear. So the the money and the cost is not like the FDA holding out their hand saying, give us 17 million and then we'll get you through the hoops. It's like one of the most rigorous, ridiculously gigantically carefully done things that that we do. Like the FDA does in my estimation in like 20 years in the in the industry like a really thorough job to keep people safe. They really do. Um but there's like the cost of doing the trial and the overhead of doing the trial in the name of safety uh, overprotection in a, in a lot of ways, in some cases, depending on the product. And in other cases, I mean, it, it's just, it's a crazy thing, but it's not this, it's not so simple as like the money just needs to be there. But like, um, it's, it's crazy to go through the hoops to protect people, but you, you wouldn't want it any other way. Kind of, yeah. I don't know how you're going to stream. Like, so for Trump to take, like it's dangerous to just say, oh, we're going to cut all this regulation because what they're basically saying is don't spend 10 or 15 years proving as best you can with as much scientific evidence as you possibly can afford to do within reason to assume that it's safe and effective. Don't do that because once a million people take it, we'll find out. And that seems to be the, the idea. I mean, that goes back to like the reason the FDA exists at all was I believe like the thalidomide crisis really like brought it to the fore that like, holy shit, you just can't put these things out well, into the public because, you know, so there's the rigor's good, but, but any government, any government agency is probably not as efficient as it could be. Right. Well, yeah. I, I think there's definitely ways that you could streamline the process though. I mean, there's, 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 there's a lot of cronyism that goes on. There's a lot of regulations that are put into place. I think that slow down or prohibit a lot of people from getting into uh, far, the pharma industry with competing products, that side of thing. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And there's, I, mean, it, I mean, it's a little bit. I would say it's a bit too rigorous. And yes, I know it sounds a little callous to say, you know, oh, well, these people's lives on lines. But I, but I, I do think where it gets, it gets a little bit too far gone in just how safe it has to be proved to be before it gets to market. And then even even then, you're still going to get people that are are going to have bad reactions to it. You still right. might have unforeseen consequences. So it seems like you, you have to weigh the risk-reward. And unless you have something that is going to kill off a mass amount of people, it looks like, you know, this treatment, if you say if this treatment could save 50,000 people a year, meanwhile, we might lose... 60 people for, you know, maybe we don't do, do one more test or something like that that's going to take another three years. I can see where the risk reward yeah. would be a benefit overall. Well, they, so interesting you bring that up because they do have mechanisms to streamline shit already. Like they already have that. There's things called breakthrough therapy, which actually is that situation where it's like, look, 
this seems to be safe. This seems to have done its job. You've proved that in a small sample, it's good to go. And I mean, in this one, in MDMA, uh, assisted psychotherapy for PTSD, uh, in, in this protocol that we're taking through right now, mm -hmm. um, that kind of thing is like incredible for the agency to work with you and say, we suggest you, we suggest you do this, um, because there's so much dire need, right? So, um, that's really interesting and that would save a lot of, of money and time and get it through faster, but they already have these mechanisms to do that when the, when that case arises. So, well, I know there's it's, one. It's uh, not that bad, but it's also not perfect because what you'd want to really do is get to the data faster, find out information faster. What what's what's really blocking it up is a lot of administrivia, mm -hmm. and and like privacy is a huge issue. So it's you can't really use the data like like you would if it was. Um, you know, like Facebook algorithms and and Google data, they can use that to create a lot of amazing inferences, right? Mm -hmm. But it, it's like you're giving them that information, so your privacy kind of goes away. When it comes to medical stuff, it's it's a whole different deal. So, in a lot of ways, we're a little too rigorous. But then there's privacy comes in. It's a crazy menagerie, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I suppose, uh, well, this, we're going a little bit off topic here, as is want to happen on this show, by the way. But one of the <laughs> things I, I, you know, I've always been fighting for too is, especially when, in regards to the FDA and for testing of drugs, is that it be deregulated to the point where if people want to volunteer and sign a waiver, they should be able to just go ahead and, and do these, do these tests without having to get, you know, all of these steps for approval. Now with MDMA trials, that's going to be probably less impactful than some other, or not less impactful, but more, it's not like taking a, a cancer drug that's literally radioactive and injecting it, you know, and just saying I'm fine yeah. with, the, with the consequences of it. But I feel like that could speed things up so much more if people had this voluntary ability and these companies were able and permitted by the FDA to say, look, we're going to jump, you're going to leapfrog here and do human trials. We've got, you know, X number of people who are willing to try it, um, you know, and got to get that sign off to, to move it forward at a much faster pace. Yeah. I, I don't know, man. I'm on the fence. I, 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 I definitely have seen enough to be like somewhere in the middle, like, but to just cut stuff, I feel like is a bad idea. Um, for sure. Like he, it's not that simple, um, to unwind it. And I think, uh, you know, MDMA is a weird example because there's so much, um, you know, sort of evidence in the public that millions of people have taken it and they're, and they're pretty good. Right? right. Yeah. So you have this gigantic sample and there's years and years and years of data that happened before it got put on schedule one where they already saw its, its psychological benefits mm -hmm. and it all got schedule one and it all shut down. Well, do you think so, it got scheduled one because of the because of the association of MDMA with ecstasy and that whole thing where ecstasy was mixed and then you know it, when it because it's not regulated, um, you know it got street drugged out or, or I'd say yep. it, not because it's not regulated because it's not above the level where it's out of the open so it's all black market it's all unreliable quantities and you don't know what it's mixed with and this is yeah. kind of I think what you're mentioning earlier is that it gets this bad rap because ecstasy in so many people's minds that don't necessarily do the drug associate yeah. the two when ecstasy half the time is mixed with heroin and meth and you yeah. know horse you tranquilizers and, and baby yeah. shit and whatever the fuck else is out there <laughs> yeah 
yeah, you don't know what you're getting. Um, there's, you know, amphetamines and all kinds of stuff mixed in there that you don't know what you're getting and you're out dancing and you over, you know, you dehydrate or like, yeah, it's not a good test. So the scientific method is beautiful in that way. So you kind of like the idea of putting it through some sort of rigor, finding out what's going on, publishing that information, getting like gates along the way. And then here we go. But a big part of this is not even the drug. It's the drug plus the therapy. Right. And, and it's a three month course. It's not like you get, you know, you, a lot of people also think, oh, they're going to get legalized MDMA. You'll be able to go to CVS and get 30 pills of MDMA and go home. That is not it at all. Like you only take the drug three times over three months and you're doing all kinds of therapy and intensive conversations and they call it integration with people who are trained for this very situation. It's amazing stuff. I mean, just amazing. And so it's, uh, it's neat to be a part of that and, and, you know, watch it as it, as it goes, because we're, you know, doing something that's really never been done before when it, when it all got shut down, you know, there was, there was, uh, real quiet on, on that front for a long time. And, and Rick resurrected it and, uh, created this, this beautiful thing that's been going now for more than 30 years. And, well, tell us a little uh, bit about like, you know, yeah. I, I was reading this Rolling Stone article. So can you go in a little bit about, you know, specifically how people are using it and, and how it's, you know, what the impact is? Obviously, this is for PTSD, but it has even broader ranging impact on that, like for people that are just getting impacted with depression and, and stuff along those lines as well, correct? Yeah, I mean, obviously, once and the way that that like sort of drugs work is you get a an indication for the drug. So we would get the indication of if you specifically meet the criteria that was studied, uh, you can get the the treatment. But um, yeah, I mean, the idea is that on the in the long term, the idea is that this becomes the way we deal with these things: mm-hmm. um, the integrated therapy, the drug that that allows you to be open to the therapy sort of in a, in a, in a weird way. Like in that article, they, she describes how you just kind of can deal with things a little bit differently than you could before. Um, it's incredible stuff. I mean, the, the, the more healthy people that we have mentally, the better we're going to be as a society. And when you have these sort of innocuous in the long term, I mean, psychologically difficult to deal with for people who are suffering, obviously, but, um, basically harmless ish, substances that have been used for, you know, thousands of years in a lot of ways. Um, when you talk about the plant medicines and it's just like, why are we doing this? Why are we letting people suffer? Right. It just seems crazy. It just seems crazy. Well, I think um, it's so it's nice to have the science. Oh, definitely. Well, and it's just, it, what fascinated me too, is reading about the experiences these people are having where they're, they're doing, yeah, basically they're doing a lot of MDMA, like a lot. And like you said, it's like once a, once a month, you're not, not popping them every day. So you do the one, you know, once and then you do the therapy. But what was so interesting to me was how it was opening up people's minds and not, not opening them up like, you know, in a hippy dippy way where you're like, oh man, you know, I saw God for a day, but more just in the way that people had so much introspective ability when it comes to MDMA and dealing with, uh, really repressed issues that nobody wants to look at head on, but this, it gives them an ability to cope and, and realize certain things that they may have been hiding or stressing about that they're not willing to face. Oh, and, man. and that really yeah. gives them the ability to look at that. And then by that, you, you are able to break through, break on through to, for, the, to the other side. 
and the thing is, is it's a, it's like a permanent ish fix. Like you get the tools to think differently mm-hmm. and it doesn't go away. You don't need MDMA again to realize it anymore. It, it's, it's like a, just an ego destroying empathy, increasing whatever it is, whatever mix it's, it's working on your serotonin level or whatever it's doing is, is changing and giving you the ability to think clearly and, and objectively about a lot of stuff. So like take some trauma that has been fucking with you your whole life and made you a certain way your whole life. And if you really look at the situation as an adult, let's say it happened, something happened to you when you were a kid, you had a trauma when you were a kid and your whole life has been, you know, just jacked up as a result, you know, maybe you can't have a relationship or you can't hold down a job or whatever. You have this, this thing that's just been messing with you your entire life traced to when you were seven years old. And for the first time in your life, you really examine it now as an adult and you go, you know what, even though that was bad, I survived. It wasn't my fault. And I can just leave that alone now and not let it influence the rest of my life. Yeah. It's funny. They call drugs an escape. And yet really, when you think about it, all people are doing for the most part, when they have these issues, like you're talking about is they're really everything else is the escape because you're running away from this one issue that you need to deal with in order to move on. And the yeah. drugs, in fact, are the one thing that are going to allow you to stop doing the running. Uh, I mean, for, to, to reference this Rolling Stone piece uh, yeah. that that you'd share with me and that I'll share with our audience. I remember there was one story where, a, you know, there was a boy who had or a man now, but he had found his father, walked in on his father hanging in the garage, committed suicide. Oh. and He went up and, yeah. you know, he was at the time he was young and he couldn't hold him up and. You know, he had this trip where he now he could he, he was able to, con, you know, face that and hold him up as a as a man. And and because of the time shift and the way you can adjust your own your own perceptions, he was able to really hold his father and relive that moment in a much better way that allowed him to deal with it and move on. Yeah. And it's just yeah. I mean, it, it's amazing. Yeah, it's incredible stuff that uh, that has been happening for thousands of years, thousands of years. All recorded history has reference to these things. And, and whether it was not necessarily MDMA, but things that change your consciousness to be able to view the world differently. Um, ayahuasca, um, you know, psilocybin mushrooms, like thousands and thousands of years, every civilization has had this thing. And and you can go so deep as to say, this must be, I mean, you can get super hippy dippy and just be like, you know what, this is the concept of God. Um, and if you think you didn't have, uh, you know, what people had to write about with limited language and through thousands of years of interpretation and it's become what it's become. But you don't see God, maybe you just understand shit on a different level and then you can't process it. If you weren't intending to get to take mushrooms, but you were hungry and you ate mushrooms because you hadn't seen food in three days. Yeah. Well, hey, maybe then all of a sudden. You're laying on the floor or on the ground looking at the sky like, holy shit, yeah. <laughs> what is this? Well, you're going to tell people about it and you're going to realize it must have been the mushroom. And then over hundreds of years, you're, you know, like it's it's so easy to see how this would happen and see how easily it's been taken out of our culture as the way to be a more healthy, kind uh, human <laughs> Yeah, in well, a lot of ways. Well, you know? it's... It's just it. what makes me insane is, like you said, people have been doing this for thousands of years and that and then arbitrarily what, uh, you know, 
uh, a few the hippies are going to get all our money. The yeah, hippies well, are going to figure it out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but it's it's just shut like, them down, shut them down, shut them all down, and then and also then not only shut them down and, and make it legal, but to demonize it over and over again. These just the to to say if you use a drug, then you are now weak or you are now escaping reality or you are, you know, you are subhuman compared to the rest of us and to find all this propaganda. And, and, you know, we all remember the classic scene of the girl who did, I think it was like angel dust. It was a young Helen Hunt, I believe <laughs> charged, <laughs> charged as uh, the third story window. Uh, like, ah! Uh, um, you know, like that kind of crazy stuff. And and even, you know, it goes on today. You still see this being fought on an ongoing basis. I just I swear to God, they just brought back the this is your brain on drugs uh, yeah. egg in the frying pan commercial. I saw <laughs> it and I was like, for, number so one, stupid, get a new man. goddamn thing. Yeah, it's so, so stupid. But and meanwhile, it's like a, it's it's absolutely the opposite of what happens. Like the reason you get paranoid when you smoke weed is because you got some shit to deal with. You should be kind of paranoid. You know, well, and and it's like, and because they made it illegal, so you're always looking <laughs> over the shoulder for the man, right? <laughs> I mean, if you watch, if you watch, there's a there's a documentary called uh, "Dying to Know," and it's about Timothy Leary and like the shit that he did um, in the '60s. The dude testified before Congress, and you see him, you see him describing uh, what happened to him on on in this case on LSD, and he's describing these insights, and this is like a a, a respected professor in a suit talking about science to the panel and he's talking and then he explains basically like from his journal what he saw while he was in this in the, the psychedelic state mm-hmm. and he just loses everybody <laughs> they're just like okay get the fuck out of here yeah hippie. all right yeah you yeah know? exactly thanks and, for wasting our time you goofy and, noob. and it's like man if you just listen to what the man said he was on to an awakening like no other and, and instead of like studying it and figuring it out and being like, holy shit, we can actually fix a lot of our problems here. Uh, you know, it, it's, it's hard to not say, man, the war machine shut that down yeah. because, because it's not as profitable to have everybody be nice and realize they don't need all of the shit that we make, you know, and that, you know, the borders of these countries are, are, are arbitrary and like all of that shit. Mm-hmm. The, the 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 human condition is lost because there's just so many numbers, so many big numbers and and money at at play that it gets crazy. And we're seeing it now more than ever because of the internet and because you can actually put the pieces together and shine a light on the bullshit in a lot of ways. And and I I hope I have to be optimistic uh, that we figure it out. Without a we, doubt, the, the internet has changed everything. Uh, I mean. Going back to this, you know, these people, the, these uh, senators or uh, committee members that wouldn't listen to to the doctor when he was sitting down there, it's this indoctrination into one way of thinking. And thank God for the internet, because no matter what, at this point, so many people are disconnecting from the main outlets for propaganda distribution when it comes to anti-drug uh, groups, or be they based in government, or be they just private groups that are advertising anti-drug paraphernalia or anti-drug propaganda. Now, so many people are disconnecting and they're getting away from the mainstream media platforms that, yes, you can the truth can come out. Now, granted, you can also find little niches of uh, of weird, weird stuff to stick your head in the sand. But, yeah, the proliferation of information on the Web has made all of this possible to a point where it would have never happened before. They would have been shouted down or they would have been prosecuted as, you know, not hate speech, but (laughs) I don't even know, inciting cultural warfare or something ridiculous like that. 
Yeah. And it's just, yeah, it's, it's amazing to see. It's, it, that's why I like the, uh, you know, for, for one thing, like the, the military, um, guys that are coming to us and, and mm. getting, having this success because that's not your typical psychedelic demographic. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, and they're like, holy shit. Like, I just thought, you know, this is the party drug or if it's marijuana pots for losers, or if it's, you know, all these stereotypes have to go away, you know, because if you've done psychedelics, I mean, so, yes, there are people who fucking go crazy and take it every day and lose their shit. And people who are predisposed to um, psychotic episodes or schizophrenia, it's not for everybody. I'm not, I'm not saying everybody should do, do drugs. I'm just saying like, God damn, like it works really well for certain people. And if you've taken them, it's not something you want to do every day. Right. <laughs> like it's like it's not an easy run, man. Like even if you're there just to have fun with your buddies, it could go crazy. Yeah. Well, and also and, they, they take the one person that snaps and does something ludicrous. You know, over the bath salts thing they were all talking about. Oh, oh my yeah. God, bath salts are the craziest thing ever. They're eating people's faces. And meanwhile, the guy's not even on with the set he's on. But they take that one that one outlier and yeah. they make it seem like it's the norm. Meanwhile, you have all these stories of people who their lives are being saved. Or you have veterans, like what are the 22 veterans kill, kill themselves a day or some crazy statistic like that. Where you say how many veterans' lives are being saved by this simple treatment, which really... When you think about it is incredibly simple compared to yeah. all of the other things that we're, that we're putting into place in lieu of this. I should know my stats better, but I think it's somewhere I, it, it's on the website. It's, it's findable. Google it. Um, but I think it was, I believe the quote is the government basically gives the VA somewhere in the neighborhood of a billion dollars a year to treat veterans mm -hmm. for us to get our therapy through. Like, would cost a fraction of that a and second of all once the therapy's like there and and you know we're envisioning that there will be psychedelic therapy centers where you go to a trained uh therapist pair they administer the drug you do the therapy there almost like it, it's a center it's a place to go mm -hmm. that is going to be so much cheaper and over in three months than a lifetime of whatever antidepressant is or isn't working for you not that they haven't helped people in the past but man this just is it seems like if all else fails, why wouldn't you do this? It's literally at our disposal right now. So like the money is just, is just crazy. Yeah. And, and we're, and, and saving those lives. People's are getting their lives back. People ha are, are a father again. They can be a mother again. They can get their life back. And you know, the implications broad across the board of these treatments, whether it's MDMA or anything else, psilocybin, they'll probably get even better at administering it in the future. But like these war torn areas with like Syria, where they just, there's just people, a bomb goes off in your town. You're going to be fucked up. Yeah. Without a doubt. Like, I mean, and, they're, and, and we're the one dropping most of the bombs and around uh, the world. Let's be perfectly honest crazy. with ourselves. It's crazy. Yeah. Now, who, who would, by the way, are there allies that you have in the House or in the Senate that are that are actually willing to stand up and say, yes, this is a good thing? Like, because I'm trying to think, I you know, Ron Paul clearly would have been on your side, but I don't know of anybody else that, I, that I've heard of anyway, actually stand up and say, this is a good thing. Like, there's the Marijuana Coalition. Great love that they're doing and what they're saying what they're saying. But, you know, who is there standing up for MDMA? Who's got the balls? I... You know, it's not their choice, first of all, yet. 
and and the I think drugs are always painted too black and white in any media outlet in any political spectrum. They're like, are you for it or against it or let's let the states decide kind of thing. All of those are bullshit stances. What do you believe? Have you ever tried this? Do you have a family member that's tried this? Have you seen the children who have epileptic seizure seizures go away because they get oil? Yeah, that's that, that, is, like, that is a great example, by the way. What are we doing? Yeah. What are we doing? But instead, they, they put the mom who gives the oil to the child with epilepsy in, in jail. jail. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. And like you have alcohol is freely available, kills tons of people every year. Opiates. There's opiates are so bad that there's a new thing for treating the uh, constipation caused by opioid yeah, addiction. <laughs> they made yep. a new drug it for that. It was on the Super Bowl, I remember. <laughs> Jesus Christ, man. Like, that's yeah. crazy. Yeah. Like, painkillers have their place, but they're crazy over-prescribed. Over yeah, and they're um, all, and worse for and you overall, again, along a longer period of time as well, because America takes more pills than anybody. So you think, okay, we've got how many Americans taking pills every day all the time for for various pains or various elements or various like you know i hey i myself i took uh you know pills for antidepression maybe some mdma once a month for three months and wouldn't have to worry about that anymore you know yeah. face these face these yeah. demons that make me so funny <laughs> yeah exactly man it's 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 nutty dude it's it makes me crazy that's why i'm so like passionate about about it and, and talking about it any chance i get like it's it's uh you know, everybody in their life must know somebody who has something. You, it'd be a rare person who has has survived this long without something, that, and hopefully it's nothing too bad, but everybody is dealing with shit. And, you know, for some people it gets so crippling, uh, and there's no hope for them if they don't have the right outlets. And I think all we should be trying all the possible tools. Well, even you know? even more so now in the era of social media where everybody is posting this, you know, it's like this this bifurcated reality that they live in where and they've done, you know, there's been studies upon studies about this is the more you're on social media, the more depressed you are and the more issues crop up because you're dealing with an inferiority complex. You're dealing with uh, complex about your job and your spouse and your life yeah. choices because everybody else is just posting this one way, one way track, this, this sunny side of the street, look at their lives and everybody looking about it. If your life's not that great, you're getting more suicidal by the day. So, yeah, hey, if this yeah. drug's going to help people deal with some issues that are gonna, probably going to crop up from social media, if nothing else, and bullying and yeah. stop them from suicide. Now, granted, I know that's a little bit dumber of an example, but I'm just saying <laughs> <laughs> more people are getting depressed from social media. So, hey, bring it, it on out here. It's another thing. It's another thing to fuck with us. Right. So. Right. Exactly. Uh, there's a lot of that. So yeah, why wouldn't you have all the tools available? Doctors should feel free to say, hey, have you thought about maybe this thing? It apparently works, you know, um, and then take the things that we know don't work right. and are actually really bad and, and, you know, not push them, not give them any due either. I mean, if you're super libertarian about it, they Which shouldn't be regulating. Uh, I know they shouldn't be regulating any of that shit, right? Exactly. Um, it's the pursuit of happiness, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Yeah. So and, and now, leave course, me the you know, fuck alone. Yeah, damn well right, man. And you know, somebody is interesting. I I wish I could remember who uh, who said this earlier in the earlier podcast, but you know, they're saying there should there should be a, a bill that simply all it is is that you have control over your own body, and you can put whatever you want in your own body, and that's it. And that's you know that goes that would go a long way in in something like this where people you know because who knows what's going to happen if people that are wanting to do this this. uh 
you know, take this treatment, which exists right now, um, I guess in, you know, underground pathways, but they could still be arrested. They could still go to jail, which is why it's so vital that we either get it above board, which is probably the easier path right now, or like yeah. you're saying, legalize it all. And that doesn't mean you can't still have centers because most people are not just going to be like, well, well I heard this thing you works. You can't I just should go make out and- pure MDMA. Like it's not easy <laughs> right, to make yeah, pure MDMA, exactly. right? So uh, the plants are one thing, but the chemical derived ones, like you don't want like 80%, I think it's a, it's decent. You want the real shit. Right. So you're still um, going to go to a center and yeah. go to a professional yeah. and you're still going to get professional help. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right. So it's, what else can we, what, anything else you want to add on this topic? Um, just that people should go check out uh, psychedelicscience.org. We're having a huge conference um, April 19th to the 24th in Oakland. Uh, Space is limited. I am performing there on the comedy banquet with, uh, some yeah. real powerhouses. All it's right. Insane. Like, it's insane. Uh, Duncan Trussell, Shane Moss, um, Adrian Earhart, who we know and love, Adam uh-huh. Strauss, um, Juliana Razzi. So there's uh, Rachel Kahn. There's, uh, I don't know what I'm doing on this lineup. It's insane. That is so, awesome, man. Well, uh, I will definitely link to that as well in the show notes, guys. So please check that out. Uh, you will enjoy Matt's comedy. I promise you that. And tell you what, let's take a quick commercial break and then come back, hit a couple quick topics to wrap up the show. Hey, guys, this is Roger Paxton. And if you're fed up with the government running every single aspect of your life, but you're not listening to the Lava Flow podcast yet, then what's wrong with you? Check us out at thelavaflow.com or just go back to sucking up to the government. The Lava Flow podcast, striking the root every single episode. This is Chris Spangle, and I am the host of We Are Libertarians, which you can find in iTunes, Google Play, or at wearelibertarians.com. We are a podcast that brings you all of the irreverence that modern politics deserves by examining current events from a libertarian perspective. So please, check us out at wearelibertarians.com. Hey everyone, the Johnny Rocket Launchpad is Liberty. Each week we strive to bring you the best guests in talk radio. The Johnny Rocket Launchpad delivers weekly interviews of noteworthy politicians, experts, and activists. The Johnny Rocket Launchpad is bringing the party to the Libertarian Party and launching ideas in your direction. Check us out at johnnyrocketlaunchpad.com. You can hear me, Kurt Nelson, and the beautiful Heather Nixon talk about the ideas of liberty. Rock and roll. Welcome back, everybody. Hope you enjoyed that commercial for our fellow podcasters in Liberty. Now, I am back with a friend of mine, the one and the only Matt Neal, who's a, he's a writer right here in L.A. He's a comedian. He is also on the board of directors for the MAPS Public Benefit Corporation. And uh, we were just talking about fascinating stuff involving MDMA and treatments. But we're going to segue off of that into talking about a couple things that just happened. The top of which, or the top of the bill of which, is hashtag Randy Pants, good old Rand Paul, introduced a bill today that looks at ceasing all of the shipments of arms and money and training to various organizations overseas in however many countries we're now currently bombing or uh, or arming people in 1520. It's called the Stop Arming Terrorists Act. And this act was put forth in uh, conjunction with a bill from Tulsi Gabbard. And uh, that was called H.R. 608. But essentially what this bill will do is it'll make it illegal for Congress or anybody else to supply arms to, let's say you're supplying arms to Al-Qaeda because they're fighting ISIS. But of course, we also trained ISIS before when they were helping to fight Assad in Syria, all that back and forth. So 
Matt, we were talking earlier about dropping bombs all over the damn place. What do you think about this bill? What do you say? Yay or nay? Are we endangering our own well-being as a nation by hampering our efforts to give people guns? Man, I don't know. I, 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 uh, how do you know who you're giving them to is a terrorist today or not? Aren't we leaving a lot of shit everywhere we go as well? Like, uh, it doesn't feel like it's, I don't know, man. I, well, I think, see, the way I'm looking at it is uh, yeah, it's got to be a good thing. So, even, so, look, here's the way I'm going to look at it. Even if we don't know who's a terrorist and who isn't a terrorist, if we err on the side of maybe that's that group's a terrorist group, then at least they don't have any guns that well, they can shoot us with. Why are we giving away guns to anybody? <laughs> it's a bad, it seems like they are, right? They, they did that whole Fast and the Furious thing where they were shipping guns across the border to Mexico, giving them to, I think, anybody who lined up on a street corner. I, I mean, there's so many guns, man. Like, I, I don't, I, I don't know. This is, a, I, I, if, uh, couldn't we just send the army or send, <laughs> no, like, if no. it's that important to us, no, I don't want to send troops, but I'm saying, like, we need to be more judicious in using arms, whether it's the actual guns themselves or the humans that are using the guns. Right. Or, or, or how drones? about or just drones? Yeah, drones. Like we were. I, well, I was. I didn't know if we were going to get to this or not, but it's tying right into it. So let's talk about this. So in addition, so Rand Paul, he's got the Star Farming Terrorist Act. Now Rand Paul also memorably uh, stood up and filibustered the use of drones during under the Obama administration. And I don't know if you caught that, but it was a a really impressive stance from it was him i think ted cruz stood up and talked a little bit um but you know it was an amazing stance against basically just bombing people across the world and especially when half of them didn't have any sort of official uh condemnation from the courts you know we even we blew up an american citizen and trump in his very first strike overseas had drone bombs in yemen and killed an eight-year-old girl that was also an american citizen (laughs) so like why I what I want to know is if if whatever it is that we're if if we're going to this extreme, what are we being protected from that they're afraid to tell us about? Why don't we have the story of what are we actually doing? What are we solving here? Because it seems to me, and and this is very naive, obviously, but it seems to me that the folks that were blowing up couldn't get here anyway right like i I don't understand why we're there when you have detroit (laughs) exactly like and and i don't i don't get it and if they're protecting us and it's that sort of like you want us on that wall that that whole like speech out of a few good men Mm -hmm. maybe but please can you explain what it is because it seems to me that the idea of america is a really good one the idea of it as conceived, the freedom of it is a, is good. The well, the going around and deciding that everybody else has to be that is kind of weird. Mm-hmm. I don't get that. And then if we is it true that if we let them proliferate like I, it must be true or a gigantic bunch of bullshit that just so many people believe that if you allow fundamentalist in any shape or form in this day and age to to unite they will pillage and kill like i I don't know if that's real 
Well, because yes. I can't imagine any more being able to accept, like if the Christians all of a sudden just were like, you know what, we're, let's bring back that whole uh, Inquisition thing. Mm-hmm. People would be like, get the fuck out of here. Right. Like that, no. We figured out that that's not a good idea. Well, the thing is, all of our interactions over there just make it easier anyway. Because you look at it and you say, okay, they had, they did have some of this, this violence in these extremist groups. But the extremist groups probably were told, hey, uh, get the hell out of here because there weren't enough of them. By our going over there and constantly drone bombing them or arming these various groups with weapons that then overthrow the government and become the crazy Islamist, you know, secular governments that we're worried about in the first place— all they're doing is making it so much easier for other extremists to be invented. I mean, hell, if somebody came in with a drone and dropped a bomb on my house, I'm probably more likely to be uh, willing to be persuaded by some crazy Islamic militant to join up than if you didn't drop a bomb on my house and explode my dog and my wife. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> but we it, it's hard to say, it. like, I understand it. But at the same time, like, I don't know enough about any other religion like that to imagine i mean when you're indoctrinated into things like it's it's real tough when they get you when you're a little kid like you believe that shit and it takes a lot of mental um ability to break out of it and be like you know what i think this is bullshit but if you have no reinforcer that a it might be bullshit because they you know they tell you the reason the sky just blew up is because of this the words in this book and you're like okay i guess that's right um you know, it's like, man, can information save this? Can can access to information save this? Without a doubt, yes. I hope so. Yeah, without I really a doubt, hope yes. so. And that's what China's so worried about. That's why China cracks down on the internet so often, is because they know that the biggest danger to China is not our weapons. That's why China's military is still one sixth the size of ours. The biggest threat to China is information and, and cultural exports. Because you look to China now, it's funny, you look at all the movies that are out, right? I just saw Independence Day, not intentionally. It was on a plane, by the way. I would never pay to see it. But uh-huh. the new Independence Day came out. And of course, they've got American pilot as the lead, you know, two American pilots as the lead. Who's the third, you know, pilot they really focus on? Chinese girl, hot Chinese chick. And, huh. you know, of course, they're collaborating with China. They have a huge cutaway scene of the aliens attacking China and Chinese people going, oh, no, you know, because why? Because China is such a huge consumer of American culture. So that is the way that we're going to win all of these wars. It's not by dropping bombs. You know, it's, if you've got the cultural information. Export, yeah. Information yeah. saying. Wow, well, yes, there was so a rival, too. Yeah. A rival. Yeah. That's interesting. I I mean, I I hope we can do it, man. I, I mean. Arrival was very optimistic in that, and and I, you know, I I'm kind of an optimistic dude. I I, I like that too, like, because I got kids, and and I I, I got to be optimistic. Yeah. But it's it's hard to look at the shit. Like, does does ISIS know it's ISIS? <laughs> you know, like did <laughs> like do they, they or 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 are they just like, hey, all these guys hate those motherfuckers that keep bombing us. Let's do some shit, and they just get crazy. I don't. You know, I, I think. Well, I'll, well, there's a huge. They're also all hopped up on drugs, uh, is what I read too from from these reports that came out. So they may be. Uh, what kind of drugs? I, they're like amphetamines for the most part. Mm. Yeah, these. The, so a lot of the soldiers that escaped, like these kid soldiers, they half the reason they uh, or half the way they indoctrinate them is that they give them these amphetamines and they get them all fired up all the time. And so you're either cracked out or you're coming down. So your mind is very pliable in that state. And then they just jack you up again and say, "Okay, go out and shoot, go kill," you know, and they go do it. It's so scary. Like we're so 
lucky to be here. And so like, I can't even imagine, I can't even imagine the shit they go through. Like it's so cushy to to have this and to pontificate on what they should do. But it's like, all right, we've had the time to have the leisure to think about shit for a minute without Mm -hmm. getting bombed, not worrying about what we have (laughs) to eat. Somebody overthrowing our our dictator that's in charge. (laughs) So it's like we've had the time to think and we figured a couple things out. Here they are. And like, can't, you know, God damn, like it, it, it seems like this should be solvable with information and some like, but there's, then there's crazy people. Then there's crazy people. Like look at North Korea. Fucking oh, yeah. insane. Fucking insane. But that one guy, any dictator for that matter, is no match for everybody that knows they're full of shit. Mm-hmm. Right. And so how close are we to everybody sort of understanding that like maybe maybe our government might be full of shit sometimes. And they are. Well, that's <laughs> you know? what I was thinking when you're saying like there's crazy people over the place. I was thinking to myself, yes, there's the crazy people. There's like the Kim Jong uh, uns of the world. And there's the crazy leaders of the Islamic countries and, and these, you know, these madmen that are ruling nations. Uh, Duarte over in the Philippines. Um You've got these madmen, and then you say, okay, but are they any crazier than the psychopaths in our own country that are continuing to push this constant state of war and have no problem murdering people at at the drop of a hat? The, you know, a faceless, faceless masses in other countries, like the amount of millions of people killed in like the Iraq wars, you know, and all these wars we've been fighting, those people are psychopaths as well. But I want I want a reason, like the real reason, like if it's if military like just, industrial complex, my friend, I got you, but 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 I would rather them say it's money or it's oil, whatever. We have to have it. You dummies, <laughs> you don't understand. That's not you don't understand that if we don't have oil, if we don't have oil, do you know what happens? Like right. if that's a real thing, tell me, because it seems to me like what happens is we figure something else out. Yeah, that's exactly. what Americans do. Exactly. Like, does. Can we power this shit with wind? Do you know how pissed I was when I found out? And this is, again, totally oversimplification, but like a nuclear power plant is basically a really kind of fancy for the 70s gigantic steam engine. Yeah, it's yeah. like a really, fa- totally. really efficient steam engine that we can't turn off. <laughs> yep, totally. <laughs> how fucking dumb is that? Like, well, I just read that like, Australia is going to build uh, a, uh, an island in the middle of the ocean just for wind power. Dude, we have wind, water, and sun. It'll happen. It's a, it's one of those things where it comes down to it's it. Well, if, for example, Australia. This is this piece I was just reading. They are to the point now where actually it is cheaper for them to look at using solar, wind, and water as opposed to gas because it's gotten to that point for their country. Which is which is you know if you're an environmentalist, which you all are at some on some level, uh, it's great. But that's what happens is when it comes to the point where you say this is this is the most logical way to move forward. This is the most efficient way to move forward. Then it'll happen. Remember, Todd Glass had that bit about. I hope it's not giving away like a special or something. But he was like, he was saying, why are we bitching about the millennials? And and he's like, people, oh, they don't know how to make horseshoes anymore either. You know, they right. figured out cars. It's like, yeah, we don't need to burn this shit anymore to power things obviously like there's zero gas in the tesla yeah we figured it out but the tesla is not affordable to everyone that's the right thing. but that's the key. all i'm is saying what's... is is we figured it out we figured it out here yeah. you go yeah. we figured it out 
okay, well, we need electricity. How do we get that? Well, uh, we figured that out too. Uh, so let's modernize instead of keep like all of these things that made so much money the old way are, are clawing to keep making the money the old way, even though it's dumb. Well, it's been that way throughout history. Uh, and, but, and oh, the government, so that's where the government needs to get out of the way. And I don't, and, and I say that on, in regards to all energies, I, I despise energy subsidies for anything. I don't like the government being involved in pushing forward, uh, solar or wind or water at the expense of oil and gas. I don't agree with oil and gas being subsidized the way they are. The free market, in my opinion, will be able to figure this thing out much better and much faster than anything else because yeah. that's what's going to dictate it. If people can afford, you know, people are going to be able to afford or not afford whatever this energy is, and that's going to dictate what moves forward. Uh, I wish we had a porno industry. Like, you remember, you know, the whole thing about the beta versus VHS yeah. and, uh, and why VHS ended up as the winner was because the free market decided it uh, because porno was on VHS. The porno industry went, you know what? We're going to go with VHS. And everybody said, oh, well, sh- well you know what? We're going to, we got to jerk off. We're going to go with, with VHS. That's what we need. We need something that wants to, that makes us want to jerk off so bad that we're going to go with a new energy source, but let the free market decide it. I, I, I tend to agree. Yeah. I like the, re- I like the regulation like uh, that comes in and says, you know, the free market can decide what our energy source is. And if that energy source creates waste, you can't put the waste in our water. I like that. Right. What well, under brought with property rights, you shouldn't be able to, you should be able to sue their balls off. Yeah. And so that's I, the way it I like be. the restrictions. Like I, I don't know enough about the EPA, but I like the idea of, Hey, we can't let some crazy fucker that figures out to save money. I also destroy this, this area. Oh, totally. He can't win. Well, well there's like, a- I like that. There was a proposal, ah, damn it. And I, again, I'm like spacing on these proposals. I've not had much sleep. And also, as I told, as some people know, I also had a horrible weekend where I dropped my goddamn cell phone down a hole in the ice in a lake. Anyway, uh, so my head's a little frazzled. But the point being that there was somebody who's trying to put forward this argument, which I agree with wholeheartedly, that the EPA is missing the mark, especially when it comes to like pollution of water. Uh, and what happens is that they have these these companies and they have, make these guarantees. Say, oh no, we'll we'll clean it up. But the problem is they never actually enforce them, or they they can only enforce a small amount of it because the company goes bankrupt or whatever else. Instead of having this kind of this uh, this fund in place to say, okay, it's prohibitive. You don't you better not do this, or else all this money that's put aside, guaranteed money, will then go to clean up and assuring that people's property is not damaged. You know, stuff like that. So there's yeah. you know. I agree that there there are ways in which you can prevent this, but again, for me, it's all it all kind of under property rights and being able to go after companies that are polluting without anybody else getting in the way or any protections extended to them by the state or the government, that kind of thing. They just shouldn't be a dick. You shouldn't be a dick. <laughs> like if you know you're fucking things up for anybody else, you shouldn't do it. Like it's pretty simple. I exactly. Like, Have you thought of running for office? <laughs> oh my god. On the "Don't Be a Dick" campaign. Jesus, it's so simple. Uh, dude, you, I know you won me over. Um, <laughs> all right. So let's talk. Uh, okay. So just to wrap it up, get to all the way back to the beginning. I'm a fan of the Rand Paul bill. Uh, it does talk about, it talks to different organizations to determine who would not be a terrorist moving forward, by the way, cause you mentioned that. So yeah. you're talking to the different intelligence committees and they then would make a recommendation to say, okay, looking forward five years, are these people going to be dangerous or not? Of course, as I said, I don't think we should be arming Anybody anyway. So expiring bullets. <laughs> That's a great yeah, great idea. 
Here you go. You got a two-year on these bullets, then they don't work anymore. I like it. They've got that. If, if my dog crap bags can decompose, <laughs> the right. army can figure out a way to make bullets. You know what? Yeah. I love that idea. Let's let, let's pitch that. Let's pitch that idea go. after a company. Then you can, you know, it, you, it's possible to track everything these days. We could be like, nope, we're going to blow up, you know, the gun disintegrates in, in a year. Yeah. Sorry. Oh, I guarantee you can create a, there's got to be a polymer out there, like some sort of yeah, alloy 3D, that, that'll break down after it. a couple of years. You just 3D print that shit. And, yeah, it'll you know, just shake apart. After just like a while. you can wipe remote your re- remote wipe your phone. Just turn off the gun. Don't Sorry, say buddy. phone. <laughs> <laughs> no, I finally got a new phone. I don't have a case for it though, which means I'm going to drop it because they. You like how mm. they make phones very slippery on the side, so that you definitely are going to drop you're running them. around naked with that phone. You're crazy. Well, you know what? I don't have the case on it. Like I said, it's slippery. I'm just going to grease it up, put it up my asshole. That'll keep it safe. Oh. <laughs> All right. One more thing. Um, <laughs> And then we'll then we'll finish it up. So this I got to talk about. New York is looking to strap, not strap, to scrap a literacy test that teachers are supposed to be taking. It is a basic literacy test. And the reason they're going to get rid of it is because they need to hire more diverse teachers and black teachers and Hispanic teachers fail the test at a much higher rate than white uh, the white candidates for teaching positions do. They said 41% of black candidates and 46% of Hispanics passed compared to 64% of white candidates. What do you think about that, Matt? I think, how about if you can't pass the test, you can't be a teacher? <laughs> Novel how about concept. it doesn't matter what you look like? <laughs> yeah, like, right. Passing, by the way, in this article is 64% of white candidates. That's not that good either. No, it's still not great. It shows you that there's not a That's lot of like quality teachers. We're hiring out. a D student to teach kids. Yeah. Like the whole teaching thing is so broken. Yep. It's so broken. Like, and you and you wonder why the state of education is what it is. But again, it's you know, it's like this this state mandated diversity, uh diversity initiative. And you go, yeah, like you're saying. If they can't do it, they can't do it. You can't say you have to hire this many people in, you know, in the face of purest facts like that. It's crazy to say, no, you have to hire somebody that is vastly inferior than the other candidate. I'm not saying that in a racist yeah. way, by the way. I'm not no. saying that in a bell curve kind of way. But just in general, if, the, if you have one candidate that is terrible and can't pass a test, you should not be forced to hire him. All you're doing is hurting the next generation and generation of kids to make a political, to get a political point. No, I, I, I have, I am very, I am in favor of public education, but I want it to be done well. They should literally double teacher salaries and have every one of them should love being there. Eh, I don't know. Even if you double, I don't know if you're going to get people that love being there necessarily. Double Although it, you would have a lot more people it, no interested. no tenure. But, double it, no tenure, and you, double their salary, no tenure, and you got to be good. You got to love being there. If you don't love being there, get the fuck out. I agree because, with no tenure, but because I think the kids the, deserve a good education. With some, do you realize how much different you can get a kid to learn if they actually give a shit? And oh, yeah, school man. is so broken anyway. Like we're training factory workers, and we don't have factories. No, so I know. Like, they're they're just and they're crazy. being indoctrinated in a certain way of thinking as we as we talked about a little earlier in the show. I mean, look, my mom was a teacher for God, like forty years, a second grade teacher. She she yeah. really liked her job, which is great. Yeah. But but you know, it's like I, that's where I think the free market, and this is why I was a, a big defender of 
of DeVos and even though not her personally necessarily, but the concept behind opening it up and having a voucher system and a free market schooling system is that my problem with public education is kind of what you're talking about, where these teachers salaries are capped because there's no competition. And if you have competition with these schools, like let's say you've got vouchers where they've got charter schools and you can have teachers where they can hire the better teachers, then they get more people to the schools, they can pay more, et cetera. And that forces competition to raise up in the other schools or the other schools perform better because they have less students in the class. Like how many students do we have in California per classroom? It's like oh, California is really, really a mess, That's but it's crazy. all kind of a mess. It, it really is. And, and again, we're not listening to data. We're not listening to science. We're allowing uh, a system that was put in place, like in the, I don't know, the thirties, oh, maybe even well, sooner. Yeah. The department of education, um, I think came around in the seventies, but, but I mean, they formed like the way education works, like came oh, out the of the basic like, system. Yeah, yeah. The building blocks are in place. Yeah. It's like, Jesus, like we figured out that it works different. And like, you can't put, like, I have two little kids, like you can't take a six-year-old boy and a six-year-old girl and put them in the same class. They're different. They learn different. They want to do different things. They, they pick up different shit. And it's just crazy. And yet we put them together. And half the time is spent like keeping the, the boys from freaking out and running around the room because they want to beat on things. <laughs> and, you know, like the girls, it, it hurts everybody. We're just, and, but, but we know the information. We don't use it. We don't. Again, Change man, it. that's where you got these, Crazy. you got the voucher system. You could have a school that does that and you could put your kids in that school because that's what they offer. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm not, I'm not against it. Like if they're not going to use the money to actually examine the, the bigger picture. And I mean, I know plenty of teachers, like I'm, I have these conversations with them mm-hmm. and the best ones, the ones that really care about their kids and their students, they have these same ideas and they can't fight through the system they're a part of. Um, and you know, sometimes it's the parents who are crazy too. Like oh, yeah. you've seen that cartoon <laughs> with like the, the, it's like a before and after where it says like the, the parents on one side in the 1960s, like yelling at the kid for being bad in school. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. And now it's, now it's like they're yelling at the teacher and it's like, yeah, no, yeah, one's, man. no one's baby can be bad. It's gotta be someone oh, else's man. fault in all things These in life. It's gotta be someone else's fault. With, but they're huge problems to wrestle with, but it's like, we do have more information. Now we have access to more information. We have to apply it faster, learn the lessons faster and put them in place without so much bullshit. Like some things are just true. Like I like how fast sort of in, in, you know, in comparison to other things, how fast some progress happened. Like, I feel like from women's rights to civil rights, to gay marriage, Mm -hmm. uh, we're, we're, accelerated in the grand scheme of things. Um, and we need to be on the right side of history faster. Like, why are we still talking about drugs being illegal? Like this dumb, it's yep. dumb. Damn. Let's move, Damn move well forward. Right. Like, we figured that one out. End of problem. The internet figured it out. We we've come to these conclusions. Let's just move past it. Right. And then you just look at all of the, all the things that impacts. If we just got on the right side of the drug war, got rid of the war on drugs you have so many health benefits. You'd have so many less people in prison. I mean, America's got the biggest prison, the most, the, the highest rate of incarceration of any country in the world. <laughs> it's insane nice. to think about the most people in jail. Get rid of the war on drugs. Get on the there's right side people, of this argument. There's people that were around for too long without the internet. I mean, people that were around for like 50 years, 60 years, no internet that choose not to evolve in the fact that it's here or ignore that it's here that just can't have a say anymore. Like it's just, it's, it shouldn't be. And that's probably a good percentage of the people that are in current seats in, in Congress and stuff. So until that rolls over, um, 
with people who realize that you can't just say shit that people can fact check it. <laughs> yeah. And like we can have like you can't bullshit anymore. Like it's all you can all, look it all up. It's all there. Yep. So when people realize that you can't just bullshit anymore and they're not in the power decision making, it gets pretty simple. But we got it's almost like we got to wait for that wave to go out. And and our president is right in there, 70 something years old and uh, and has lived in a, a very strange bubble his entire life. You know, um, uh, we need to get like you said, crazy. you need to get different thinking people in there. Um you know, I'll give him, I'll, I'll give Trump this. He's definitely lived in a, in a specific bubble, but he does operate differently from any other president I've ever seen. And that is refreshing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's not, <laughs> and he's entertaining. Not, you know, but I mean, we, it, yeah, it's, it's, it's just a weird, I mean, Joe Rogan talks about this all the time, how you just, it, it, the president job is really weird. We've yeah. kind of evolved past it. And, and it's like, yeah, I kind of agree. Like, it is kind of dumb. Like, we can have a diplomat guy who can speak really well and, put on a good, like be our representative, much like you would want your CEO to represent your company well. And we need a monarch is what you're saying. No, (laughs) we need a constitutional monarchy. (laughs) Maybe. I don't know. Just like England, that's it. England's got to go. I like the parliament idea. I like the idea of hashing shit out. Like I love parliament. Best idea in the room. Watching parliament is better than watching TV, man. They go (laughs) at it and it is delicious. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of delicious, man, you know, you're delicious. Breakfast. I'm going to, I'm uh, going to wrap this show up by telling you uh, that. Brother. All right. <laughs> so hold on <laughs> guys. Let me, uh, let me give us some call outs here. Please do visit maps.org. You can get all the information about this amazing organization, the work that they're doing that is truly life changing. Also check out psychedelicscience.org where Matt will be performing. That should be an awesome show. Um, it's a big conference, by the way, that, about that, psychedelic that's science, like four days. I didn't I'm mention that. One, it like is a big conference. <laughs> Yeah. A lot of scientists. Workshops. Of it's got a banquet. Yeah. Is, is it yep. a... Wait, do I say cruise? It's got a cruise? There's a cruise. There's a comedy banquet. All all to benefit and increase the, the, the uh, science and the conversations and the collaboration around psychedelic science. It's awesome. That is amazing. I wish, yeah. I, I, wish I could get up there. I don't think I can. But that would be awesome. I'll think about it. I'll give it some thought. Maybe while on some shrooms. Convince me. Um, <laughs> so thank you, man, for being here so much. And guys... Uh, I encourage you, like I said, check out Psychedelic Science, check out Maps. Also, while you're at it, check us out on Twitter, at Lions of Liberty. Uh, Join the Facebook forum. We've got Lions of Liberty forum. Just type it on in there. You'll pop right up. If you don't look like a psychopath, we will let you on in. And I want to remind you again, check out our t-shirts, lionsofliberty.store. Support us. We have exclusive content, including our conspiracy show which just came out on Saturday. Sadly, I was not a part of that. I would have loved to have talked about all the crazy conspiracies. But that is some exclusive content we have for people that subscribe and support our podcast. LionsofLiberty.com forward slash support. So, uh, what? Maps Maps podcast. The Maps podcast is launching this month. Oh, nice. Stay tuned. Go find it on iTunes. It'll be out. uh, I think the first episode's coming out in like a, a week. So, yeah, Beauty. excited about that. Yeah, there you go. Add it to your lineup, guys. Maybe we'll maybe maybe we'll try to cross promote a little bit further when that uh, when that comes out. Get some more people from Maps on the show. It's always always an entertaining conversation. Indeed. Yeah. So, guys, from me, from Matt Neal, and from Electric Liberty Land, always stay plugged in to Liberty.